0: Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 27. Really what David needed in preparation for chapter number 27 was a church service like ours. One that would remind him again of the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the trustworthiness of God. Because we meet David in a moment in his life where he's just made uh, some of the most courageous decisions of his existence he has an opportunity to kill Saul who is out to take his life but he knows that that's the wrong thing to do and he's going to trust God with Saul and he refrains from raising his hand against Saul. And he says, I'm going to leave that up to God. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to let God take care of this. And then in verse 20, chapter number 27, After a great victory of faith, we find David in a situation that happens often in all of our lives. We'll have a great victory, and it'll be followed by a moment of great weakness. How many of you can identify with moments of great victory and then followed by great weakness? How many of you can identify with that? That happens, doesn't it? And we need to watch for that. We need to prepare ourselves, embrace ourselves, and remind ourselves that even though our emotions are fickle and they vary... God never changes. He's always faithful. And in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see David in a moment of despair. And then we're going to see his moment of despair and a foolish decision produce a 16-month sentence. So tonight's message is just that. A moment of despair and a 16-month sentence. How many of you ever did something really dumb out of... Emotion and despair. And the byproduct was a length of time of trouble and grief. It happens to David in a big way in this passage of Scripture. And would to God he'd learned his lesson in chapter number 27 because he's going to do it again a little bit later. And there's some things I think we can learn from this story in this passage of Scripture. A little more obscure place in the book of First Samuel. But some things that I want to share with you that I think will be a help to you as we read together chapter number 27 of First Samuel The Bible says, and David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose, and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. Verse 5, And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore, Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. And David and his men went up. And invaded the Geshurites and the Gezrites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land. As thou goest to Shur, even unto the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive. And took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camel and the apparel and returned. And came to Achish. And Achish said, Whither have ye made a road today? David said, Against the south of Judah, and against the south of the Jehermelites, and against the south of the Kenites. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, Lest they should tell on us, saying, So did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. And Achish believed David, saying, He hath made his people, Israel, utterly to abhor him. Therefore, He shall be my servant forever. Now we come to this passage of scripture and we meet David. It must have been a rainy Monday morning. How many of you ever had a rainy Monday morning? (laughs) It must have been a low moment in David's life because David had just seen the Lord uh, bring Saul into his presence and given him great, great courage and great faith to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, if you look back in chapter number 26, Saul speaks to David and tells David some things that should have been quite encouraging. The Bible says in verse 24, Saul speaking, Behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set. I'm sorry, Saul said in verse 25. That was David in verse 24, excuse me. Verse 25. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned his place. Now Saul even admitted to David, David, you're going to do great things. You're okay. But for some reason on that rainy Monday morning, David is in great despair. Verse number one, David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. I, I look at verse number one and I'm reminded of a few things. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked, who can know them? How many of you have ever had a conversation with yourself? It may not have been audible. Sometimes people look at you funny when you have audible conversations with yourself. But these conversations we have with ourselves that are not audible, how many of you have those occasionally? Would you raise your hand? I have them all the time. You wouldn't believe some of the things I've said to myself. I'm ashamed. <laughs> David is having a conversation in his heart. And he says, you know what? That dirty, rotten, stinking Saul, he was reeling me in. He was sucking me in. He was drawing me in. And he got scared. David got scared. David got worried. David got concerned. He said, Saul is going to kill me. I'm going to die. David overreacted in a moment of fear. shouldn't have done that. And because of that, David begins a journey that leads to great despair. Let me tell you the story. The story goes like this. David wakes up on that rainy Monday. I don't know for sure if it was Monday or if it was raining, but he was depressed. And he starts talking to himself. He says, oh, man, Saul's going to kill me. And he comes up with a harebrained idea. Folks, most of the time when we're scared and we try to come up with a plan to relieve ourselves of the anxiety of the moment rather than trusting the Lord, we make really silly decisions. And Saul's no different. I'm sorry, David was no different. David makes this plan. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Gath. Now, you'd think that David, as smart as he was, would have not made the same foolish decisions twice. Do you remember another time in David's life, just a few years back, that David makes a journey to Gath? David has just found out for sure that Saul doesn't like him. and Saul wants to kill him. And so David flees for his life. He goes and he picks up the sword of Goliath at the priest place and makes his way to Gath. Now, Goliath was a giant. Goliath, what was his, where did was he from? Goliath of what was town? Was Goliath from? Goliath from what? Gath, that's right. So if you're David and you just killed the champion of the Philistines, Goliath of Gath. What's the smartest thing you can do if you're scared for your life? Take Goliath's sword and go to Gath. David was being a big dummy. But that's what you do. When you do, you get scared. You make foolish decisions. When you get worried, you make foolish decisions. And David had already made the decision once. I don't know if you remember the story, but David takes the sword of of Goliath and he goes to Gath and he ends up in the palace of the king of Gath. I'm pretty sure it's Achish. And right there, he realizes he's in big trouble, and he acts like he's crazy. He's foaming at the mouth and acts like a madman, like he's completely lost his mind. And he's like, I don't have any business dealing with him. Get him out of here. And the Lord spares David, and he flees from Gath, and he's okay. And he has quite a good season of faithfulness and trusting the Lord. But now we meet David again. He's getting scared, and you know what he wants to do again? He wants to go to Gath. I read this, and I'm like, don't do it, David. How many of you read things and read stories or watch a movie for the fifth time? And you're like, don't do it. You'd think he did it last time I watched this movie. He wouldn't do it again. But uh, I'm like, don't do it. And what does David do? Sure enough, this time he takes his wives, his family, his 600 men and their households, and he takes them all to Gath. What are you doing? David goes to Gath. And while at Gath, He makes an alliance this time with the king. He makes an alliance with the king and his whole crew is living right there in the uh, same vicinity as the king in the same town in the city of Gath. And David has an idea. He says, I tell you what, oh king, there's really not room for my crew and your family and your kingdom in this same town. Why don't you give me a place somewhere outside in the country and I'll go there. And sure enough, Achish likes the idea of having an alliance that is against King Saul. And he begins to cater to David. He gives him a place called Ziklag. Ziklag is an interesting city. It's a town that should have already been a possession of the nation of Israel. But because of the faithlessness of the children of Israel, when they were conquering the promised land, they didn't get it. And so, David and his men go to Ziklag. When he gets to Ziklag, David begins to campaign for the nation of Israel and for the people of God. He, he does something interesting. David, while he's 25 miles away from Achish in Gath, still in the territory of the Philistines and the territory of Achish, he goes and he begins to conquer land and conquer peoples and conquer territories that God had promised was the nation of Israel's back when the judges had entered in. It's a pretty fascinating thing he's doing there. But what he's doing is David, he's a shyster in this situation, in this setting. David is conquering the enemies of God's people. And he's conquering them and utterly destroying them. But he's sending word back to Achish. He's saying, Achish, what I've done today is I've conquered this Israeli tribe and I've conquered this Israeli tribe and I've conquered this Israeli stronghold and so Achish is just uh, thrilled with David because David is killing all these Israelites and all these people the armies of Saul but really he wasn't he was killing the enemies of God he was killing the allies of the people of Gath does this make sense so he's sending word back and telling lies Achish, the king of Gath. Well, Achish, the king of Gath, he says, aha, I've got him. He says, David is killing all these people from his own tribe, from his own uh, nation. And he's caused himself to stink before all the nations of Israel. And the whole time, Achish has no clue what's going on. Well, a great war boils up between the people of Gath and Israel. And so the natural thing for the king of Gath to do was to call up David and David's mighty men and say, come on, we've got to fight. So David meets up with the king and he's between a rock and a hard place. The king has no idea what David has been doing 25 miles away over the course of the last 16 months. But David looks at the king and says, you have no idea what I can do. And the chapter and the passage ends in chapter number 28, verse number 2. So that's the story. David's found himself between a rock and a hard place. But I want you to see this tonight a moment of despair and a 16 month sentence. Let's first of all consider this idea of Gath. Number one, Gath. Well, what did David do? In his moment of despair, he defaulted to. Fear instead of faith. I want to encourage you to do something. If you find yourself in these low moments, the best thing you can do is to pray and trust and wait. I think it's so important that God's people learn to keep their mouths shut when they're having times of despair. I think it's so important for God's people, rather than acting out in fear because of emotion. And trouble that we begin to trust God in faith. The first four verses of this chapter of the Bible says, David said in, in his heart, I shall now perish. Your heart will fool you. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Now, that was a foolish statement. You know what David said? David believed something that was contrary to the promises of God. He says, I shall now perish. Was he going to perish at the hand of Saul? Absolutely not. God had sent Saul, Samuel to anoint him to be the next king of Israel. He says, I've got to escape. And so he moves to the land of the Philistines. For the people of God, is it ever right to move away from God? No. David could have learned a lesson that Naomi has been learning in the book of Ruth. Keep moving toward the Lord. Verse 2, David arose and passed over with his 600 men. He went there, and that's where he went. He ends up in Gath, Gath. Folks, I want to encourage you to do something. Don't move toward Gath. Don't move toward, away from the blessings of God. It was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought no more again for him. Now, one thing that was accomplished in Gath is Saul no longer seeks after David. But that's not testimony of the fact that what he did was good. Gath. Number two, Ziklag. Ziklag. Verse 5, David has his plan. His plan is to take Ziklag. In verse 5, David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore, Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. There it is, 16 months. 16 months 16-month sentence because of a moment of despair. Boy, it happens when we do things wrong. In Ziklag, David resorted to scheming rather than trusting. Now, I like this definition. As a matter of fact, it's come up in my study in the last few weeks several times. And it's not something original to me by any stretch of the imagination. But it's something we need to remember. Faith, the faith life is living without scheming. Living without scheming. You know we're tempted... We're tempted to scheme. We're tempted to try to stack the deck in our favor. We're tempted to keep our own score. We're tempted to cheat in order to get what we want. But that's not faith at all. David was doing the right thing in chapter 26. He said, I don't know how you're going to do this, God, but I'm not going to do the wrong thing trying to get what I want. I'm going to trust you with Saul. You take care of him. But in chapter 27, he throws faith out the window, and he begins to scheme and plot. And every time we try to scheme or cheat or fix things faithlessly, we end up in a big mess. We can learn something from David's two trips to Ziklag. Every time you move out of the will of God trying to protect yourself or get something that you want or need, you're always going to find out that that is the wrong direction. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do you know why God gives us these examples like David? He gives us examples like David so that we do not have to fall into the same trap. We do not have to repeat the same foolish, sinful mistakes. My mom used to always tell me, Cody, you can learn the easy way or the hard way. I must testify I learned a few things the hard way. But I'm thankful for all the things I've learned the easy way. The easy way is to learn from what? David did wrong. Two times now, David has moved away and out of God's blessing. And both times, it's bit him. He goes to Ziklag, it's fascinating to see what happens because I want to talk, number three, about the promised land. Now, this is something interesting to to say and to, to look at. Something that happened to David that encourages me in spite of his faithlessness Now, in spite of David's faithlessness, God uses his troubling time to produce and do something that is very positive. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says verse 8, And David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Geshurites and the Amalekites. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land. That's a very key phrase. Those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to sure, even unto the land of Egypt. And the Bible telling us right there that those were lands and places that the nation of Israel should have already conquered. Do you remember as you work your way through the book of Judges? How that uh, the nation of Israel They did not utterly destroy The inhabitants of this land They did not utterly destroy the inhabitants of that land And every time they did not do What God told them to do Their enemy became a curse to them And they left all along the way uh, This unfinished business Now in spite of David's faithlessness and fear, God used this season that he is away, this 16 months, God uses it to help him. I'm encouraged to know that if you have found yourself in a season where you are reaping what you sowed because you did something silly, just remember God can use and will use and wants to use the time of trouble to make you a better Christian. He wants to use the time of trouble to help you, to help other people. So don't completely lose faith in your 16-month stint dealing with the trouble that you caused because you got into a moment of despair because God can use it. Always look for what God can do in spite of you. It's very important. The Bible says in regards to this in verse number. Nine, David smote the land, left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses of the camels and the pair on the return and returned and came to Achish. And Achish said, whither have you made a road today? Achish says, well, David, what have you been conquering today for me? What have you been doing for me today? And so David tells him a lie, which is never right. David tells him a lie. So he tells Achish, he says, David said, against the south of Judah, Emphasis on Judah. Judah was uh, a very uh, Jewish word. Judah in a Jewish place, a Jewish person. Against the south of Judah. Against the south of the Jeremelites, Against the south of the Kenites. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath. He said David didn't spare anybody because he didn't want the word to get out what he was actually doing. Look what the scripture says. He saved neither woman or alive to bring tidings. Tidings to Gath saying, lest they should tell on us. David was scared to death somebody's going to tell on us. I mean to tell you something. I think that's kind of interesting. It's a little bit childish, but we get that way even as adults. We don't want anybody to tell on us. If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you You should get told on. You deserve it. Uh, And if you're doing something that makes you scared that you're going to get told on, that they'll tell on us, that's that's terrible. Now, look, people use this word, don't be a snitch. And I know what they mean. But, look, if you're not doing the wrong thing, you don't have to worry about anybody being a snitch. Stay away from sin. Don't do the wrong thing. Keep your nose clean. Don't be so ridiculous. Look, a moment of despair will lead to a 16-month sentence. Sometimes a moment of despair will lead to a life sentence. Don't do it. Don't do it. You get somebody that's high moral standing. I'm not a snitch. That's not high moral at all. It's the basest of base. You shouldn't be doing the wrong thing anyway. You shouldn't be around the people that are doing the wrong thing. You are or you soon shall be what your friends are. Stay away from that trash. David made a mess. David made a mess. We move from Gath to Ziklag, the promised land. And finally, we conclude with David's problem and God's protection. So David's been telling the king of Gath lies constantly. David's going down there and killing allies and... Conquering the promised land. And telling the king of Gath all along that he is conquering the nation and the land and the people of Israel. (laughs) Achish knows no different. The Bible says in verse 12, Achish believed David, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore he shall be my servant forever is like, boy, he keeps killing his own people. They're going to hate him, hate him, hate him. I've got him right where I want him. Achish has no idea that david has been lying all along. But here's what happens in chapter 28, verse number 1. Look at it. It came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. Now David's really actually going to have to fight with Israel. If he keeps this alliance with Achish, he's going to have to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. In verse 2, David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. (laughs) David's in a spot. How many of you ever told a lie? Let's just start right there. How many of you ever told a lie? (laughs) Yeah. All right, then let's go to this next one. Have you ever told a lie, and you told the lie, and before you knew it, you got caught, and you had to tell another lie, or you had to kind of skirt around it, you know, one lie i Have you ever told a lie, and then you had to tell another lie because you'd already told the first lie? And guess what happens? That just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Have you kids ever told a lie? Uh-oh. I know these kids over here have. So of these adults, by the way. And so David found himself in the spot we find ourselves when we don't tell the truth. David had been lying all on to Achish about what he'd been doing. And Achish has, has come to the place now where the nation of Israel is gathered together. They're going to fight. And so Achish says, all right, David, come on. I need you and your 600 men to come fight with me. We're going to take on the Israelites, and we're all going to work together on this one. And I can just see David's eyes go, uh-oh, what am I going to do now? And so David, he has a very vague answer. I think it's kind of funny. In verse number 2, David said to Achis, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. (laughs) That's all he said. Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. You wait and see what I can do. Oh, man, you're going to be pleased with this, You 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 wait and see what we can do for you. (laughs) David, it cracks me up. You wait and see what we can do for you. And all the while, David in his heart like, oh, no. And Achish just loves David. Achish says, boy, I tell you what, I'm going to make you the keeper of my head. And then it's an interesting thing that happens. So then we read in verse number 3, and we want to see what happens. What happens to David? How does David get out of this lie? And at this point on Saturday morning cartoons, it would say, stay tuned. See you next week. <laughs> and here it does, too, because in verse number 3 of chapter number 28, The story changes completely. We move from David to Saul. But if we want to know the end of the story, we've got to turn the page to chapter number 29. How many of you are interested now? how in the world does David get out of this mess? The Bible says in chapter number 29, verse number 1, Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed on in the re-reward with Achish. So this great group of Philistine lords see David and his men. They're like, do what? Those are Israelites right here in the midst of our ranks. The Bible says in verse 3, Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said to the princes, of the Philistines, is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days and these years, and I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto this day? And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. They were angry with King Achish of Gath. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again to his place which thou hast appointed him and let him not go down with us to battle lest in the battle he be an adversary to us for wherewith should he reconcile himself unto, unto his master should it not be with the heads of these men is not this David of whom they sang one to another and danced and sang? Saul slew his thousands David his ten thousands then Achish called David and said to him surely as the Lord liveth thou hast been upright And thy going out and thy coming in with me and the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me unto this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. And Achish says to David, Wherefore now return and go in peace that thou displease not the Lord's the Philistines. Guess what happens? God spares David a big mess. Isn't that wonderful? Best thing ever happened to David was that day when those Philistine lords said, Oh, no, we're not going to let him fight with us. Achish tries to take up for him. Finally, Achish says, It's just not going to work, David. You're just going to have to leave. And I wish I could say that David just went, Okay, I understand. We're out of here. But Look what David does in verse number 8. David said to Achish, But what have I done? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, David, shh. David says, but what have I done? And what hast thou found in thy servant so long as I have been with thee unto this day that I may not go fight against the enemies of my Lord, the king? I'll just tell you what David had gotten to. David had gotten such a habit of lying that he couldn't stop lying. He just kept it up. Now, that's kind of funny. But the truth is there are Christian people possibly right here in these pews tonight who have just gotten the habit of lying. You just got in the habit. And even when God has given you a chance to get out of the lie, you tell another one just because you can't stand it. Deceit and dishonesty is something that boils up in the hearts of all of us dirty, rotten sinners. And saved Christian people shouldn't act like that. David tells another lie. He says, oh, what have I done? Verse 9, Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight. As an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines, have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Wherefore, now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return into the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. David had a problem, and God protected him. Now, it's an interesting story, fun story to look at and tell, but how do we apply it all? There's a few things. We should learn from David's great mistake. We shouldn't allow despair to cause us to be faithless. We shouldn't allow despair to cause us to scheme. We should never excuse dishonesty in our Christian lives at all. When you read chapter number 27, it's a sad chapter in the Bible because David, the man after God's own heart, never one time mentions God. You'll not find the word God or the word Lord. You'll not find God in chapter number 27 because I'll tell you something, when you're scheming and you're scared and you're doing silly things that will lead to a 16-month sentence, you leave God at. We've got to remember how faithful he is. We've got to remember how true he is. We've got to remember how much he loves us. We've got to rest in that and do the right thing and trust God with the outcomes. We can pay attention to that. Another great thing we need to pay attention to. One thing that's so sweet to me about God's word and the characters of the Old Testament. God does not use in his word an airbrush to cover the imperfections of the character's In His Word. As a matter of fact, God presents the characters of His Word with every wart and stink and stench that they have, and God describes it in great detail. One is to give us hope that we don't have to be perfect to serve God. Another thing that God wants us to do and understand is that He uses imperfect people. And another great blessing, as I look at the lives and the warts of the characters of the Bible, is that God does not want us to set the men and women, the characters of his word, even a man like David, the great David, to a place in our hearts where we worship him. Because I'll tell you what David teaches us more than anything. David teaches us, even a man after God's own heart, a man with such cunning like David, a man chosen by God to be the king of Israel, a man chosen by God to write vast portions of his inerrant and word, was no savior. He was a sinner, just like you and I, in need of a savior. And when we study the life of David, it points us to the fact that we all need Jesus. You've got to have him. The only sinless character and the word of God is the person of Jesus Christ. And in love, he gave his all on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could have everlasting life. Forgiveness of sin So we put our trust in him. Hey, look, let's learn something from David tonight. Don't let a moment of despair cost you a 16-month sentence. Act in faith, believe in God. He's always faithful. You can trust Him.